At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listen, I'm no J.J. Watt. Can we clip that off where he goes, uh, I'm, I'm no J.J. Watt? Because there are times <laughs> when people go, who you do that podcast with? That strong like, guy. Oh, is that J.J. Watt up there? J. J. No, he's not actually J.J. Watt. It's Chris Sims. Damn. Woo! You talk about compliments. That just that glossed yeah. over that. Yeah. I mean, what a nice compliment. Thank you. I mean, seriously. I, I, I'm, I'll be compared to J.J. Watt lookalike any day. Yeah, they go, you do that podcast with J.J. Watt? And I go, no, it's not. It's Chris Sims. And they go, who? <laughs> but then they go, he looks jacked like J.J. Watt. Yeah, he's very strong. And then I'm feeling good again yeah. myself again. I go, he is tall. I will say that. I go, he is tall. Uh, you're crazy. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to make some different T-shirts if it were J.J. Watt here. I know. I mean, like, Brent, have you no. ever seen J.J. Watt in person? I have not. No. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, it's like a caricature. It's, it really is. Is I that mean, like 3X? Are we well, talking triple, triple? Like? Yeah, triple X. And then, well, well, guys like him that are so impressive, right, is just that they're huge but not sloppy, yeah. right? To where you're like, wait, that's usually what a guy that's like 6'1", 225 looks like, except yeah. you're 6'3 295. And you're just like, whoa. And it's just, it's again, it's it's well-proportioned. Like, is it one of those where the the shirt, like the stomach area could be like a medium or a large, but the arms have to be? Have to be gigantic. gigantic. The shoulders and arms are, yeah, exactly right. He's probably got like a similar <laughs> waist size to us, or at least <laughs> yeah. belly size, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, his, his chest, arms, shoulders, neck. And then when you add on I mean, his butt and his thighs, I mean, his oh. thighs are enormous. Uh, and that's usually how great football players are made. And he did that's how you start week. off yeah. a great podcast right there. <laughs> yes. That's what you do. Exactly. What's up, everybody? Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid, we're here. It's the What the Fuck Happened, What the Fuck Will Happen yep. wild card preview, super wild card preview. I've gone back and watched the games um, pretty thoroughly. Most of them, some I was a little quicker with, but still got a good feel for the game overall. Um, but I'm excited to talk about it. So let's do that. Yeah. Let's go through uh, all these matches because I-, I think this is quite rare. They've all played each other before. It, it is it, definitely rare. I mean, it's it's like, first off, one of those things where I want to go, do you like that or not? Not totally. Uh, yeah, I know, right? It's a, you know, it, it is interesting conversation of like, I don't love repeat things either. Yeah. I don't, I definitely don't like a divisional matchup right away here, right? It's like, man, we've seen Seattle 49ers twice. We're going to mm-hmm. watch it again. One of them was just a few weeks ago. There was a time, do you remember this back in the day where, and the in the wild card weekend, no matter what your ranking was, 
they were not going to have divisional teams play each other, right? Yeah, I do so, remember that. Yeah, like how they do that? Late eighty, they would just mix it up and go, okay, wait, you weren't supposed to play them, but you know, Giants and Washington, we've seen you. We're not going to have you in the wild card game, so we're going to have to mix it up and do something else. Hmm. And you know, I, I, I kind of wish they would flirt with that once again, but I don't know if that's fair or how you would do that. I saw actually. something pop up on TikTok right. last night. Yeah. It was a game. I was like. I forget when it was, early 2000s, when the NFL had one of the tiebreakers was points four. Yeah. And it was the last week of the season. And Carolina and Green Bay were trying to get the final playoff spot. Right. And so they were not playing each other. Yeah. And in the games, they were happening at the same time. So they're trying to score. They were trying to score as much. So they both won their games like 40-something to 10. Right. But they had to watch the score of the other game wow and it was like end of the game green bay thought they had enough points and then someone told them that carolina was driving on the 30 yard line so like on on third and one where they're just running off the clock brett Favre drops back and throws a 50 yard bomb down to the one yard line i don't know why i can't i don't remember that you know me i'm usually the guy that remembers all yeah. that kind of stuff there it was uh, fascinating to watch damn yeah that's highlight. rare that it starts to go down the line that long as far as because that's probably like the fourth or fifth tiebreaker i would yeah. think somewhere along there they're going to end with the same record probably the same Right, conference same conference record, record right. Yeah, and points then, four was I, the next tiebreaker. Yeah, that's amazing. That really <laughs> is. That's tight. I know. It's that's like, why so, the league's awesome. So those people that say you can't change anything, well, you just tell them about that game and what, what is the NFL has done. But I think we've arrived at a good place. These will be intriguing games. Let's start with Seattle and San Francisco, Definitely. even though we have seen it twice before. Yeah. And in both those games, even though it's been a great year for right. Seattle, the 49ers won. First time was uh, week two. It was when Trey Lance got hurt. Early in the game, Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo comes in. We go, oh, they're still going to be good. 27-7. to seven. And then just uh, Thursday night on week 15, San Francisco goes into Seattle with Brock Purdy. Doesn't matter who their quarterback is. I guess all three have played against Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so they'll get Brock Purdy again here. Let's start with uh, the Seattle offensive side. Yeah, okay. Let's start with that because yeah. I think that is where maybe this game hinges. Can right. they beat that right. 49ers defense? You looked at the tape from, from week 15. Seattle's offensive approach against this defense. You've shown some teams, Raiders included, Josh McDaniels, who have kind of figured out ways to beat the quarter's coverage yeah, right. and found vulnerabilities exactly. in the 49ers' defense. Right. Has Seattle shown the ability to do that so far? Absolutely not. I think it's one of the more disappointing things when you go back and watch it because you go, you know, even you know, prior to that game, you go, wait, wait, didn't you watch the Dolphins game? Didn't you watch you know, the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the things? You know, they did to expose those coverages. That was the first thing that was disappointing to me. It was just that, wait, wait, you know, hey, the 49ers, you know, we've talked about them. They're extremely talented. They kind of have, like, it's not like, I don't want to say simplistic, right, because that's not fair. Mm -hmm. But they're not, like, too crazy in their varieties of defenses. They are one of those teams that you can kind of classify as go, hey, we're kind of good. And you know what we're doing, but we don't give a shit because you won't be able to do it anyways, right? They're, they are like that, except there's a little bit of a – there's a wrinkle every game or a little change up here or there to how they play the coverage, and that can throw you off. But, um, yeah, there was no quarters attack, which was disappointing right off the bat, okay? And to me, the game looked like it was a game where they just called plays hoping they'd hit the right play against the right coverage. And that's just not the right approach either with the San Francisco 49ers. Then the, uh, the second thing that I think is concerning, and you saw this in my notes, is they're, they're, you can tell they're extremely concerned about their ability to protect against the 49ers pass rush. Seattle's offensive line is not great, as we've kind of said all year long. You know, they're not even as good as the statistics would say, even in the run game. 
You know, it, even in this game, you know, there wasn't great run statistics, but the good runs were just one guy being fantastic, not necessarily domination of the line of scrimmage. So between the not understanding of that and then the, the not understanding of how to take advantage of quarters coverage, and again, we've hit on this, Seattle's offense is better than it was with Russell Wilson. I still don't sit here and go, oh, wow, it's crazy creative, right? I think people have got a little too far in like, oh, wow, they do everything. And I'm like, no, they do more, but it's not, oh, wowing. But the protection was such an issue, it actually caused more issues. And it played right into the wheelhouse of the 49ers. And to think that, okay, protection's the issue, and now we're just going to have everybody run short routes and do stuff like that. I mean, I understand the thought, but I don't think that thought's correct when you really start to dive into it a little bit. They need to go deep downfield. you got to gotta attack them a little bit. You're just going to always let them be in downhill. We don't have to worry about anything behind us. Everything's short. It's coming out. We can be aggressive. We can fly around the field. We can show the blitz and then back out, and we're all in position to stop the short pass, right? Or we could just blitz, and then you guys know the short pass is coming and just rally and make the tackle, right? It's, it's like, you, it's like hey, if you want the success for the 49ers defense, this is what you do. Like, no, you don't want to do that. And you're exactly right. You saw that in my notes, right? Like, if you want to throw these short routes, that's fine. But don't have five guys running four-yard routes. Have some guys clear it out a little bit so the windows aren't so – I mean, he makes so many throws in the game where I go, that wasn't even worth – the risk was not even worth the reward. Yeah, he got the four-yard stick route, Ahmed. But it's like he jammed it in between Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, and you're like, oh, whoo, that was close to being a pick six. Or, a, you know, he gets hit and the ball pops in the air and he fumbles. And I think the passing chart here, if you're watching on the NBC Sports YouTube page, you'll see it. It exemplifies that. Yeah, it seems like the longest completion uh, was, is that week two on the left side there, Pete? It was, uh, no, yeah, no, it was oh, one yeah. that's around 30 yards. Week two's on the left, week 15's on the right. Yeah, week fifteen on the right. right. There. Yeah, he doesn't. He basically has none. Yeah, none. No, no, even incompletions. No, yards the down only the thing they did down the field at all in the game was like throw back shoulders. Like you see the one that the on the sidelines there that are like eighteen, right. You know, twelve yards. That, that, that's all they were. They weren't like, oh wait, there's a design play and this guy ended up running a corner route or an out route and that's how they got there. It was just like, oh, he's one-on-one. Let me throw the perfect throw so you know we can have maybe the most perfect catch against a guy like Traverius Ward. Yeah. So that, that's my big thing. It's interesting, though, because they have done that against other teams. You just say the pass rush from the 49ers has spooked them to such a degree that they have gotten away from what they do because in the two games versus San Francisco, right. we just saw it there. Yeah. 20 yards downfield, they got, they got one pass. That's not who they are, to your point. In the 15 other games, Right. Gino has 14 passing touchdowns leading the NFL. I, I, I know. Uh, and, and those are a plus 20 yards, right? Uh, 14, a plus 20 yeah. yards downfield. Right. Yeah. So it, that's what they want to do. That's, that's what I'm trying to say here, and so you're can, leading me there finally. So, so can they? Can, can they just decide to do yeah, it? Yeah. Well, they're doing themselves a disservice as far as they're chopping a leg out of one of the areas that they can actually hurt the 49ers. You know, they, they can't do it within that approach, right? If you think you're just going to – they got to do it with a different way. And again, short's fine, but like you heard me say, you know, the Dolphins were great at this in their game against the 49ers. They'd send three, four people deep. So now the corners and the safeties are all turning around. We looked at a few of these plays even on social. And then there's a guy like 
over the middle at five or six yard, mm-hmm. but he's like one-on-one with a linebacker, and you're going, well, this is what we want, Waddle on a linebacker. Well, they can do the same thing, lock it on a linebacker. I, I know the 49 linebackers are awesome, but here's the thing, too. You know, yes, they got to gotta have a few plays in this game plan, in my opinion, of six- and seven-man pass protection, right? And, and when you do it, too, don't be in such normal – oh, it's tight end and receiver to the right and two receivers to the left, and we're going to keep the tight end in and the back end, and we're going to block. Like, you know, okay, so now we have one receiver on the right and two receivers on the left, and that and it, it, that's too simple. It's going to be simple route trees. It's Even if they blitz, it's going to be simple for them to pick it up. You still saw some of the formations I wrote in my notes a little yeah. bit, just as far as explaining. Like, they got to get in some formations that are going to stress their coverage, stress their blitzes a little bit, and put them in some some spots where it's like, oh, no, no oh, you're going to blitz? Well, we could see it because we have three receivers over here, and now you kind of have to show it so we know you're coming, and now we can even run to the other side, or I can get to my max protection, and that's what I would like to see. Tight end to the right, three receivers to the left. Back can be offset either way. And then you could play with him as far as, hey, I'd like you to stay in a block if they blitz. But if they don't, get out and be the underneath guy. The tight end stays in the block. But within those formations, like I'm telling you, it can become hard to disguise. And then the other thing is you can get some interesting three-man combinations there that can make it hard. Even Mm -hmm. if they don't blitz, you're going to go, okay, this is not the worst but hopefully you can call a play where, hey, all five eligible goes out. Blue 85, blue 85 said, hut, hut, hut. Okay, it was a dummy snap count. Oh, I see the blitz coming. Hey, I called that other play in the huddle where we're going to block it up and we're going to be aggressive down the field. Check, 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 right? And now, now we got a guy going a post route and a guy running a corner route on the inside. And then the third guy's under, you know, runs the five yard out and then comes back underneath, right? So now you go, oh, whoa, it's a three level throw. We got a six and seven man protection. Gino's a great downfield thrower. We got two receivers they got rockets up their ass and now we can start to put some pressure on them instead of always being under pressure that to me is something that's got to change i'm sorry i talked so long there i just you mentioned a lot of things there you know yeah kenneth walker really couldn't get going just 47 yards on the 12 attempts that would help if he can if he can run but they haven't been able to do that consistently all season long yeah and gino threw the ball 44 times was sacked three times even though they didn't do much deep right um might need that max protect for him yeah Uh, and you got to ride the right arm of geno smith because he has had an awesome awesome year Yes. And he is the subject of our two stats and a lie. So we'll see if you can get how good is Gino Ben this year? That's what we want to we want to answer I like that this. question. I like so we got this. Gino Smith. You've only ever gotten this wrong one time. That one was it. So far. One time. One so, so we'll see far. how you do today. We actually have two of them. We got one later in the I'm Bucks nervous though. It makes me nervous every week here. All right, here we go. We got uh, three stats, two are true, one is false. Gino Smith was bottom three in yards after catch per completion this year in the NFL. Also, Geno Smith was bottom three in bad throw percentage, meaning he had the best throw good. percentage. Correct, correct. Okay, his, okay. his number of bad throws were very. I'm going to say that's between. true. Okay, all right. No. And the last one is among quarterbacks to start 15 games, he took the fewest quarterback hits. So you've already thought the you think he's accurate. So you say that one's true. Was he bottom three in yards after the catch? I think your last push? one's a lie, because I, I honestly, as I'm thinking about it. I feel like Lockett's the only yak guy. Damn, I'm wrong. 
Damn. You're right. No, you're oh, right. Oh, I'm right. Okay, good. You're good absolutely good. right. All right, good. Congratulations. Thank the one you. that was false was he He actually has been hit the fourth most times in I the thought NFL so. this year. I mean, that's what, that, that, I, I mean, I would, I would have been like, man, I'm a little off on that one. But I, he's not helped out by yards after the catch. Per completion, the only two quarterbacks who are helped out less than him, Josh Allen and Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, year. Josh Allen's got such great weapons, though. That's just shocking. I'm oh. really so shocked by that. You can use that stat. <laughs> Some <laughs> ammunition right I'm going to. If you tune on to me with other radio shows and things I do that will be in the arsenal for the Josh Allen conversation um, but he's been taking some hits which speaks to why maybe they're reluctant to take some time with exact- some of those deep shots against the 49ers yeah, I, I think that's exactly right you know they're trying to limit the Nick Bosa strip sack fumble all that I understand the thought I think it just has to be a different approach to that thought and you know the yark yak thing you know it's it's funny because when you're reading it at first when you see it right away you go well that can't be true but then I started to go wait DK Metcalf's not a yak guy and then Lockett is kind of a – he's got that ability. But as you think about them and you think about their highlights, I was just like, no, it's usually down the field throws. It's a 50-yard post or yeah. a back shoulder go route or something like that. Diving it's, it's catch, toe tap out of bounds. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of that type of stuff yeah. uh, that's, that's very interesting. But, you know, the bottom line here to what you're talking about, you said it right there. I'm going to just sum it up a little bit with, mm-hmm. like, what I said at the end of my thing there. Their attack is way too simple and vanilla. Mm-hmm. They're just ho- calling plays, hoping to get lucky. Short routes, simple routes, simple formations. Easy on the 49ers makes it easier for them to be aggressive. So that's where I, I, I feel like that's where they have to look, go back at the film and go, oh, wait, wait, wait. We actually played into their hands a little bit in the way we did that. And, uh, you know, and then I wrote the two back shoulders and the only throws downfield, 0 right. for 2. And, and, you know, one was OPI, actually. So they got, issue, they got issues. They got to score some points. So say they do that. Say they figure it out. They go downfield. They break a few long ones. Oh, we have a, a high-scoring game. Can they slow down the 49ers? That's going to be the question because they haven't been able to do that. George Kittle ran free last time, yep. although the 49ers did only score just 21 points. Yeah. When, you, when you take a look at that side of the ball, right. the 49ers offense mm-hmm. seems to be running the ball as well as they have all season long. Yeah, right. Can Seattle slow them down? I, I, have more, I think I have more hope for that than I do the other side as it stands right now. You're hoping for that. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, did you hear that? No. <laughs> no, if Seattle's going to be in this game. Yes. yes. I, I have more confidence that their defense can be more of a pain in the ass right now than I do their offense. Like I said, I mean, like we talked about, their offense obviously needs a drastic change in approach that I haven't seen anything yet to go, ooh, I think they can do it. I'm hoping they do some of the things I say, and that might help out. I'm sure they're going to have some things as well. But, you know, Breaking down that matchup, right, they have the one drive early on where they go down nine plays, 86 yards early in the game. You know, Shanahan's throwing some things at them through the uh, great screen pass down the middle of the Kittle, right, which is just a great game plan design play. Fake the screen to the left, fake the screen to the right. The guy kind of who's covering him man-to-man starts to run to the screen to the right. And then as, like, Purdy's throwing him, it's like, oh, shit, he's throwing to my guy. And there he's wide open down the middle, right? It's like slow motion disaster happening. Um, But, you know, after that, they really did some good things. They got run on a little bit early on. Um, But Pete Carroll and this coaching staff, to me, has shown a little bit of a propensity to understand how Shanahan operates a little. Hmm. For the most part, they're pretty good at usually taking away some of his tricks. They're not afraid to take some calculated risk like we've talked about with some teams. When a team is so good on offense, you got to do some things every now and then. They just go, they couldn't have planned for this. Or 
you know, we're not even totally being sound with this, but we're going to take a chance here, right? You got to do some of that. So they're willing to do that. I love that. Um, and when you really break down the game, that drive, their next touchdown drive was off Travis Homer catching a ball and getting hit and fumble, and they returned the ball down the six-yard line. That was their other touchdown. And then you talk about George Kittle running free, right, mm-hmm. on this third touchdown. They just blew a simple coverage. So, again, I mean, that's concerning, but I'd be more concerned if I went, well, they just went down the field, five plays, easy throws, 85 yards, touchdown, right? That, to me, is like, oh, man, they're picking you apart. These are ones where I go, no, they got put in some ba- a bad spot, and then they messed up something that, honestly, I-, I think if they do 100 more times, they won't mess it up again, right? So that's where I give them hope. They're not afraid to crowd the line of scrimmage. Early on in the football game, they were playing. I mean, they, they will go all in on that department. They want to play some man-to-man to stop some of the inside slants and play action passes and all that. But Shanahan's so brilliant. He's always got his guys in tight splits and things like that when he wants to do that stuff. So you can't jam them, you know, and makes it tough on him there. Um, but I think there are some positive things here. And, and here, here's the last thing as I continue to ramble here a little bit. Early on when they got some good runs on them, you know, they were trying to have their D tackles kind of two-gap, right? And Shanahan, again, he's too smart. You can't live in two-gap unless you just have some absolute super freaks up front where you just go, whoa, we can dominate anybody, right? Back like early 2000 Patriots and, you know, great defenses like the Ravens where they just go, we don't care what offensive line is. We'll just stand you up and we're going to make the play, right? They don't have that. They were trying to do that. And then what was Shanahan doing? Oh, you want a two-gap? Well, we'll run some zone scheme and we'll make the freaking gap so big that – yeah, okay, you disengage and you're in the right gap, but the, the gap is six yards long, and it, my running back can still get through there, right? So where they adjusted to start playing some single-gap defenses, and as we've talked about with great running teams too, you know, they started doing the shoot-your-gun principle. You know, what I'm, remember that, what I'm talking about? Like, shoot-your-gun. Like, don't, don't be a linebacker and just shuffle down the line of scrimmage like, hey, I'm in my hole, I'm in my hole. There's Take a, a fucking hole, run yeah. through it, right? Yeah. The good chance the running back's going to be running through there soon. So just Mm -hmm. run through it. Cause chaos. They started doing that, and it gave the 49ers run game some issues. They ripped off a few big runs. The running stats are a little bit of a lie just because the game was over and Jordan Mason broke a 55-yard run to make the stats look a little bit better than they were. Um, But, yeah, I have some hope for Seattle to be a pain in the ass in this department. Missing a key piece, as you know, to Jordan Brooks, right? Stinks, right? You think that could have a... Yeah, you saw Negative that in my impact. notes. Yeah, because yeah, he's just he's he's such a good clean up the trash guy, and then, you know for a game like this where yeah they're gonna have to take some chances and guys are gonna be shooting gaps, he's your guy that's like oh we shot all the gaps and now McCaffrey bounced it outside. You know, he's the guy that would run you down and be like oh you only got four yards. You you go you know most teams might turn the corner for fifty, yeah. but not against me, right? That's where he's great, and of course he's good in pass coverage. He's he's one of the best middle linebackers in football, um, and that will hurt them for sure. Uh, so, yeah, some things for Seattle, but not all negative there. And who knows? Maybe, no, it'll, be a sl- maybe it'll be a sloppy game, too. I, I, we, have a weather, so. we have a weatherman. Is that right? Dean Kowalski. I don't know if he's okay. a weatherman or not, but he's tweeting in to us. What effect do you think that the pouring rain will have on the 49ers and Seahawks game? Going to be a very wet and sloppy one. The forecast is 54 degrees. Yeah. 94% chance of rain. Potential for heavy rainfall. Damn. Ooh. Whoa. I made this mistake in the first game of the year with the 49ers. I thought it would benefit them 
against the Bears because I go, oh, they'll oh. just run the ball yeah. and now they'll be better. But what it did is it negated their team speed, which is great. Yeah. And that's where they beat teams. That's where I missed that point thinking about that game prior to it. And I would say this would be an advantage for the Seahawks. You know, again, if the game is played equal and clean, the 49ers are going to win. You know, this is the kind of elements here where, hey, oh, maybe Brock Purdy, the ball slips out of his hand. Maybe, you know, Brandon Ayuk's running up the sidelines and we just tackle him, but it's so wet, the ball fumbles. That, that's what always scares me about these type of football games. I think ultimately, I mean, it's still probably advantage 49ers just because they're better up front on both sides of the ball. And, you know, in mud games, that's always a, right. a good thing. But to, to what you yeah. just said, they can be a pain in the ass for the 49ers on this side. And if they can just be like we talked about a little – what, two weeks ago with the Jets when they played them? If they can just get them into third and five or more, yeah. the Seahawks are a pain in the butt because they can cover and they can be creative with their pressure packages. And that's where they're a bit of a pain in the butt for defenses all year long. So who will be the receiving uh, leader on Saturday? Who's going to be the featured receiver? Bet MGM gives us the odds for receiving yards, the props here. And the two Seattle guys are out front. You got DK Metcalf there, 62.5. Tyler Lockett, 59.5. And then you got your San Francisco guys. Uh, Debo Samuel is back. Are we are we sure about that? Is this? Uh, yeah, he's back. He is, is. Okay. and I think he'll be. He's close to well, getting to close to one hundred percent from what I know. Well, I might go the over forty two and a half for Debo Samuel. Yeah, then. well, he George Kittle too. Right. And the, the thing that stinks about Debo Samuel is you you want to pick him and then you go. Wow, they decide to run him today. Now yeah. he's he's got one hundred and forty two rushing and he's got twelve receiving and you're like, ah, damn. Uh, Who's most likely to go over hundred yards? Well. And this one here, all right, just for the overs and unders there, I, I like the Tyler Lockett aspect of this more than anything. Um, Metcalf is more of an outside receiver. You know, they're going to find – Charvarius Ward is good. He's been one of the best additions to defense in the NFC to where he can be a pain in the butt for – he can match up with, with, uh, with DK as far as when they play their quarters and there is some man-to-man elements on the outside like that, right? He's not – outsized. Charlie Barrios is a pretty big guy for a corner, and he can really run. So he's not like, oh gosh, I gotta run and protect the go route all the time, right? So he can run with them to where he can feel comfortable. Wait, when you put on the brakes, I can put on the brakes and do that. Lockett, I just would be shocked that they didn't do some of the shit we talked about. Sure. Right? Hey, there goes send Metcalf deep. See you later. Hey, you know, Goodwin, you go deep. See you later. And now we got Lockett underneath against Fred Warner one-on-one. And as awesome as Fred Warner is, that's still an advantage Lockett. I'm curious here. You, you know, you're giving Seattle some blueprint here. And you were you were heavy on thinking the 49ers, that 10-point spread that they had, that yeah. they could cover that pretty I know. easily. Maybe you still feel that way. But uh, as we transition to our next There's some game, scary aspects to your point. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're not quite done with this game yet, though. So oh, you, okay. still have, you still have more you one can say more about thing? it. You're one more yet, thing? Our me? one more thing <laughs> has to do with the Big Butt Awards oh, of the week. Oh, yeah. It is Woo. that time. Big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Woo. big guys. Some touches. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butt-ting superstar. Woo. Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. <laughs> and this is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo. Our butt-ting superstar... At the edge position yeah. for the final week of the regular season was the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Uchenna Nuoso. Uh, nine pressures led uh, the NFL from the edge position this week. Had half a sack, four quarterback hits, had five hurries, even had a batted ball in the game out there. Nuoso, you got your first Big Butt of the Week award. He's their best edge football player. He's definitely one of the best edge players. On you don't the, I hear mean, his name all that often. No, I know. He's not like a... He's never going to be a bona fide, you know, 12, 14 sack a year type of guy, I don't think. But I think he'll always flirt with around 10, you know, and he's a football player. He's great against the run. He's got a lot of plays where you go, ooh, he fucked that play up, but we don't give him the credit for it, right? There's no yeah. stat, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, again, I didn't watch that game on film last week, but keeping an eye on that like we were on Sunday Night Football – Man, it seemed like he was on the screen a lot during the football game. Nothing was easy for the Rams, although this year, many games you've seen nothing easy nothing, for the Rams exactly. out there. Defensive tackle, we're going to give that one to an Indianapolis Colt for the first time, DeForest Buckner. Wow. He's got to get a big butt of the week award. He yeah. had three quarterback hits in this uh, one of the best games of the year against the Houston Texans. <laughs> uh, that was tied for the most def- uh, among defensive tackles this week. Eight pressures. Uh, DeForest Buckner, I, I think he, deser- he deserves one because they made that trade. Chris Ballard, first round pick. He has lived up to Definitely. everything that they could have hoped Definitely. for. Definitely, it's it's good review to give love to a guy that's because the team wasn't good this year has yeah. gotten forgotten about a little bit, but definitely still one of the best defensive tackles in football. I mean, he's he really is. He's rare, rare guy. Uh, he'd be another guy like we started out the show where we said you'd say, oh, my gosh, if you saw J.J. Watt in person. Yeah. If you saw DeForest Buckner, you go, oh, my fucking gosh. Yeah. Because he's even bigger. He's giant gigantic. human. Yeah. A giant human he's being a- with a big butt. With big butt award. Who got the most pressures out of the um, – he said he was second uh, for most. Yeah, you I didn't forget. ask the number one? I mean, you're not going to tell it me was number someone, one? I know it was someone I'd given it to before. Oh, uh, you did? I forget exactly who it was this week. Damn. I just too stat in the lie you and you you couldn't figure it out. I almost gave it to Josh Allen. Okay, he won it week three. Yeah, but uh, all right. Well, your two of the year were real good. Yeah, I'm why, why are you trying that. to question him? So here it is, the big butt of the week award. <laughs> we promised more butts. We couldn't find butts for these guys. But damn, that's right. I thought we were going to start that. Yeah. I thought we were going to only show Not, butt pictures, and then Ahmed had to figure it out from there. Well, we need to tell someone in NFL media to go around just taking butt shots. Oh, there's got to be butt right? shots. There's not of enough these butt guys. shots. I, that could be a good segment. 
What? Just yeah, I mean, identify I think, that yeah, butt? Identify that butt. We like, used to do that. We yeah. could bring, like, and it's, you know, like, have it, like, Morgan comes on and go, Morgan, which, you know, do you yeah. think that's DeVore's Buckner or Shannon Owusu's butt? Exactly. And then she's got to figure it out. And then we talk about them as players. <laughs> right. And yeah. their butt a little which bit. Which one, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and how that butt helps them be who they are. Exactly. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Probably you got never the gonna happen. You it's, got the It's gist. never going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Chris Jones led the week in pressures, by the way. There you go. There, there you go. go. You got it, Chris Jones. I could have given it to him, but I gave it to him in week 16, which was his second. Yeah. He's one of only two players ever to win the Big Butt of the Week award twice. The other was Dexter Lawrence of your New York Giants. Yep. Take on the Vikings. First team all pros right there. In Minnesota. So we've seen this game before, week 16. Uh, Giants had the lead late, but the Vikings did come back, squeaked it out because they're very good in those one-possession games. Uh, Raul Del Toro, 15. Let's let you kick one off here, Raul. What can the Giants do differently, scheme-wise, to pull off the upset versus the Vikings? So you looked at uh, the Giants O, Vikings D. Yeah. Vikings O, Giants D. You looked at both sides of the ball here. Yep, I did. Big picture. Big picture. What do the Giants need to do, first and foremost? All right. Well, I think... I mean, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. Right? And, uh, and this is simple, but I, I think they fell in the trap a little bit in this game. And I mean that because Minnesota's a bad defense, as we know. And their pass defense is it's the worst, right? I mean, I, I just want to double check as I'm sitting here, but it's, it's the worst in football. Oh, no, it's second worst. Sorry. Who's the worst? Tennessee Titans were worse. Wow. All right. You know, and a little of that's skewed, I would say, because most people just went, wait, we can't run on the Tennessee Titans, so we're not even going to try, right? Yeah. yeah so that, there's a little there. But I would say that's where the number one thing, if we just had a broad theme, and I'll get into more in specifics here in a minute, but I do feel like the game plan, they came out throwing the football. And, and again, not that they can't do that. I just don't think it maximizes their potential about what they can do against this defense. You know, and that, we've seen this. We've talked about this a little bit, right? We talked about this when we did the New England-Minnesota game. We talked about this all year. I mean, Minnesota's so bad on defense. They play pass defenses, and teams go, we're still going to pass it because we still think, like, even though you're playing for the pass, you're bad at it, and we'll get a 15-yard completion. It'll still beat the run mm-hmm. even though you're playing pass defense. And that's where I just went, ooh, you know what, Giants – you're definitely better at passing, but you're not that team that just go, wait, they're playing pass defense and we can just throw on them too. Like, you're not there yet. So I thought they dropped the ball a little bit in that department. That would be the one area just right off the bat that I would change. I don't think that's necessarily what they're the best at either. And that's one thing I didn't understand, you know, about the uh, first matchup. Staying on the offensive yeah, side here for, for, the, for the Giants, Saquon Barkley broke a couple big ones, had that touchdown, 84 yards rushing. That's what I'm talking about. It was, it was easy at times, right? Yep. Yeah. But yeah. what did they not do right. in the run game? That's another that thing that jumped you. out. No Daniel Jones quarterback design runs, right? That's I would think for sure we're going to see that breaking out in this game. He had 34 rushing yards, but that was all off scrambles. It was and- all off of scrambles. Exactly right. So uh, I would think that becomes more of an element of this football game, you know, playing through the run that way. And here's the other reason, you know. I, I, I like that. One, when you go up there, you play in that stadium, one of the things you have to worry about is the crowd noise, a.k.a. the pass rush along with it. Right? It kind of goes both into it. Yeah. Evan Neal struggled against Daniel Hunter in that game. That's where I'd go, run game's going to slow that down a little bit. Run game, play action. Run game, boots. I, I'd like the Giants to stay in that wheelhouse there to help out Evan Neal. Right? You saw some of that there. And, um, you know, 
I, I also think within the play action pass, you know, they know they're not great at run. They can be over aggressive a little bit at the second level. And then the play action pass, the other thing I love about it too is you saw in my notes, it opens up great lanes not only for Daniel Jones to throw, and he's a great play action passer, but it opens up great lanes for him to throw the football too. Again, it spreads. You know, think about it. You fake a run, you get nine or ten yards behind the line of scrimmage, you know. Guys are trying to get after you in the pass rush. You've had guys who've gotten sucked up with the run fake, and now they've turned their back, and they're running downfield to you know, cover guys. And usually play-action passes are a little bit more aggressive down the field, right? Yeah. So now the safeties are far off to where if you get that lane or whatever else, you know, he's going to be able to rip off some big runs scrambling as well. So uh, I, I look at that, and, and I think my other thing with my running thing here mm-hmm. is just that it helps their defense. It helps keep... Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins off the field too, which is you know got to be part of the thought process here. The Giants' defense is not great, and they got to help that part out too. Well, that's the idea. Yeah. That's the idea is that uh, the Minnesota Vikings are so bad defensively, but their offense is so good that usually they can outscore the other team, outgain the other team. They did not outgain the New York Giants in this game. Total yardage at the end of this one: four hundred and forty-five yards for the Giants. The Vikings had three hundred and fifty-three. So yeah. Yeah. Did the Giants make it difficult on them? They, they did. You know, it, watching the game back, it was very apparent to go, offense seems easier for the Giants than the Vikings. Hmm. The Giants, you kept going, whoa, here they go. They're kind of marching down the field. Whoa, here we go. Bless you, Morgan. And up and down the field. And then the Vikings, you kind of got like, oh, there was a good play. And then you were like, oh, whoa, that was almost a disaster. Oh, gosh, how did they? Man, that's amazing they got five yards on that play. You know, it was a lot of that. It wasn't like it was a a well-oiled machine. Yeah. I certainly got more of a feeling of that, you know, and that goes back into some of the things we've talked about with Minnesota. There's no disguises, right, you know, and that's where I think, like, Minnesota's a little bit of like, hey, this is what we do, and we're going to live in this wheelhouse to where I would think of Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka and company with how they played the game, are going to be able to go, wait, wait, they're going to kind of do this when we get in these coverages. And it's going to allow them to dial up some plays, I think, that could really screw them over. I'm excited about that. And let's not forget this about the Giants' offense in this game. Bellinger fumbled Mm. in scoring red zone before the half. Daniel Jones throws an interception in the red zone, right? And, you know, it was a good play by Patrick Peterson. But these are things we have not seen them do. They had a punt blocked at the end of the football game, right? They were not good on third down. They either. were not good on Richie James at one point early in the fourth quarter dropped a slant route over the middle where he's going to get 10, 15 yards on like third and five, and they're going to be in the red zone. Instead, they had to settle for a field goal. So, yeah, they made some things or made some mistakes. Like you talked about the turnover ratio, and it's, yeah. it's really more than that when you talk about the block punt. To where you go, wait, they were the ones that didn't play the clean game and still almost won, and that's where the Giants can be encouraged by all this. Do the Giants need to do better against Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson? Mm. 133 yards for Jefferson in the game, 12 catches. Hawkinson, 13 catches, 109 yards. I mean, they got all that, and they still only won by three, needed a 61-yard field goal at the end to win it. They can live with that stat line right there. Mm. I I think the Giants could beat them with that stat line once again. You You know, the Giants found the way to pressure for the most part and then play zone behind it. And to me, that's, you know, I mean, you've heard me talk about this before. It's a great defensive coordinators. That's when I know they have a good feel for an offense. And you've heard me say, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings offense is good, but I don't sit here like, 
with like you know my brain blowing up emoji to go whoa this is the coolest plays and thing like it's not that it's just got all the good staples the basics they're detailed they're smart how they do it it's all that but I don't go oh wow man this is gonna pose problems and a guy like Wink he figured out wait I got way I can blitz them and still kind of play guys in the right area in the zone to where it's gonna be make life hard on you and Justin Jefferson yeah 133 yards but it was 16 targets that's yeah. 12 receptions right I think the big thing is we just don't want you know big plays no 60 yarders you know no no six catch 195 yard day that's when I would go ooh that would be way more troubling to me than the number we see right here yeah as you mentioned both teams got a little pass happy they Daniel definitely Jones did. threw 42 times Kirk Cousins threw 48 times I think we have the graphic on the play distribution for the Vikings they threw the ball or they called pass plays 52 times just 19 runs they won't stay patient with the run I don't know what their deal is they're getting four and a half yards per run exactly. which is not bad right I mean between those two running backs and they you know, again, I know it's not a great run blocking offensive line, but this is a Giants defense that's not very good against the run. And what I said, and you saw in my notes, as long as you don't run at 97 and 99, you can run on the Giants. And that's where I would think this comes into play a little bit. Runs on the edge because the Giants middle linebackers are not good. And I also think that's part of the reason they blitzed a lot in this game because they were like, we can't leave Jalen Smith and um, – you know, what's his other name? Uh, 41. I'm blanking on his name right now at the top of my head. McFadden, excuse me. The way to go, Pete. Thank you. They they can't depend on them to cover. Yeah. So I think they also like almost default blitz because they're like, well, we don't know what to do to them. They're kind of liability there. So let's just send them and pressure them. But that I would say for the Vikings, they want to run more too, just because you get pass happy with Wink Martindale. It's just he's too creative and smart. He's too creative in the coverages. He's too creative in how to expose your pass protection, which he did a number of times. And I just wouldn't want Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence only thinking about pass. Mm -hmm. They pushed that interior part of that offensive line back into Kirk Cousins' face a lot during the game. And I just would be shocked if they don't try to run the ball a little bit more in this one. I don't know. It's I know. Sounded it's like, like you're gonna. It kind of sounded like you're gonna pick the Giants here. I don't know. I don't uh, know. We will see. I like this. I like. I should make you have to guess who you're gonna pick. Who I'm gonna pick after all these? I think that's at the end of the podcast. Okay, that's you're gonna you're gonna pick my pick. All right. Well, we do have a game for this next segment too. It's called "Give Me the Headlines," presented by Hyundai. We normally do this segment thanks to Hyundai, on Mondays where you give the headline of a game that already happened, we're going to do it a little differently this time. You're going to lay out how you think this game's going to go, the strengths and weaknesses of the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then I'm going to predict what the headline will be at the end of the game. Okay, I like that. And hopefully it's better than my headline for the Lions game that we did last week. Remember it was... Restore the Roar? No, it wasn't Restore the Roar. <laughs> Got Smoked, you know, was mine, which someone then on, I think it was Twitter, wrote me and said, you should have done uh, sent packing. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That would have been so Duh. much better. Duh. That's why we got to farm this stuff out to the homies. Gosh, They're that was. That would have been awesome. The, the hive mind of the homies can come up with these headlines better than us. But I will try after we get through this one. The Cowboys played uh, the Buccaneers one time. It was week one. Seems like a like a eternity. It was like a lifetime ago. It was not even this season, but it was this season. Yeah. Week one, it was our first Sunday night game. It's a hard one to break down or look at a ton of relevance as far as between, you know, now and then a little bit. Bucks won 19 to 3. Um Pete goes right here. Was this the Bucks best game of the season? It probably was. <laughs> you know, it's when their belief and confidence was the highest. Nobody had exposed them. And 
you know, where the game is a little weird is that, you know, if you remember, the Cowboys didn't play their players in the preseason. Yeah. So this was their first game. They, they were kind of like trying to – they didn't play well. Dak didn't throw the ball well. There was no Tony Pollard involved in the game plan. You know, no Michael Gallup. They didn't even know who their second and third receivers were that they could depend on other than CeeDee Lamb at that point, right? So th- that's where it, it is a little hard. But I will say this just nonetheless. The Cowboys are better, but you know me. This is a matchup sport, and the the Bucks pose some some tough matchups to the Cowboys for sure. More so on offense or defense? I think more so with their offense. That could be a pain in the butt. Who's right? offense? Well, the... The Cowboys' offense could Confused be a pain myself. for the Cowboys. I mean, they, sorry, excuse me. The Bucks' <laughs> offense could be a pain for the Cowboys' defense. Okay, that's where I, I think more problem. That's okay. what scares me. Let's start again. Yeah. So, what do you want? To, what do you want to talk about first? The Cowboys' offense and the Bucks' defense. Yeah, Pete, let that out. All right. Right. <laughs> Don't let it, that was great. I confused myself. You confused me even more right. than I think I confused you. Right. So, you want to talk about the Cowboys' offense versus the Bucks' defense? Is, is that, that what you're saying? saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's do that. Yeah. No matter if that's what we were saying or not, let's okay. do that because yeah, they scored three points in this game. A lot has changed since then. Uh, but but what specifically has changed? What what will be different than in that game? Yeah, well, I think they have a little bit of an identity and know who they were. Like that game, I don't, I don't think they knew what to do. Like they were kind of like, hey, we want to throw the ball, you know, but we're not throwing that good. And Michael Gallup's out there, and they hadn't played much in the preseason. And Tyler Smith was playing his first game ever at left tackle, right? So there was some moving parts and some new things there to where, you know. I don't think they knew what they were at that point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of where when I was watching the game back, I was going, you know, the Cooper Rush thing in a lot of ways made them, gave them an identity. That's interesting. Because they basically had to say, wait, we got to start running the ball. So let's stop worrying about the toys and Dak Prescott, 45 million and doing all that. And that became something where you go, ooh, they're yeah. really good off of that. And then they, you know, of course got better at the past game when Dak Prescott got yeah. back, right? It's like Tony Pollard, you have to become more of the game now with well, Cooper Rush here, and then they go, oh, wait, maybe we should just do that all the time. Exactly right, right? We were kind of making fun of that at that point earlier yeah. in the season where it's like, oh, they don't do any of these plays when the good quarterback's in, but now the bad quarterback's going in, and they go, oh, we got to help them. And you go, well, if, fuck, if you did those plays with a good quarterback, you'd be even gooder on yeah. the offensive side of the ball. But yeah. we saw the yeah. Dallas Cowboys just be bad on yeah. offense this past week. I know. I mean, like, what's your gut tell you about the Cowboys right now? You know, my my gut tells me they are going like Dak is not playing great. You we've hit on this like three or four weeks ago, right? Well, you know, mm-hmm. just he's not throwing the ball great within his throwing. It's affecting his decisions because he's a little afraid to cut it loose into some tight windows, right? I do also think, and this is where it's hard for this matchup. You know, I'm, I hear the last two games and all that, but what was the real? You know, I do, I do think it's hard to be motivated and go all in. You know, okay, maybe we could still win the division, maybe. But the Eagles are going to have to fuck up, and they know how good the Eagles are, so I'm sure they doubted that. Yeah. You play Tennessee on a Thursday night, they play none of their starters. So, yeah, what do you, you think you were going to get the best effort from the Cowboys where they're going out there in pregame going, I don't even know who the fuck that guy is over there. I'm playing him tonight, yeah. right? So that, and then you could say all you want. I know it's a Week 18 matchup. But they're not, they know the Giants' backups are playing against the Eagles. They're not sitting there going, well, the Giants have a real chance, right? So they're not, like, emotionally invested in the game. And that's where it's a little hard. But they are going through a little lull. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, their defense is worrisome a little bit there. I, I, I don't worry about their offense as much in mm. this matchup. I don't. And I'm not going to tell you a lot from 
this first time around is because I don't I don't think there's a lot to glean from it. Yeah. The one thing I can say is the Bucks are healthier on D, right? But the Cowboys are much better on the offensive side of the ball. And the Cowboys really for the most part have been a force running the ball. You know, I don't think unlike the last two times they played them where they went, mm, we don't really want to run because we don't believe we can do it against you guys. I don't think that'll be the same here. I think they're going to go, no, 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 you know, fuck you guys. We're, we're really good. We're the, we're the best pure running team in football. We're coming at you. And I think that'll be a little bit more of an element that Tampa hasn't had to defend against them in both matchups. Other side of the ball, Tampa yeah. was able to run very effectively. Yes, they were. I think it was like 130 yards maybe yeah. for Leonard Fournette. Right. Best game of the year. Um, they wanted to establish that early on yeah. in the year. You've said that. Todd Bowles was like, we're going to do it. We're going to run gonna, it. Right. We're not going to be setting no completion records. Well, Tom Brady set the completion record. <laughs> so they, they kind of got away from that. They did. Can they beat Dallas, that defense? You say the Dallas defense got some issues too, but can they be successful, the Bucks, without running the football? No, because I don't think they can pass protect. So that's the first thing right off the bat. And if you remember, Michael Parsons wasn't even a full-time defense end there at that point, right? They're, they're better on defense now than they were then. Passing the ball, if it became a, oh, Tom Brady's got to throw the ball 40-something times today, 45 times, I don't think they'll be able to win the game. If it's high 20s, low 30s, that tells me, oh, wait, they're running the ball effectively enough to where they can lean on this a little bit. You know, And again, I, Tampa's O-line is a little healthier but I don't know if I could sit here and tell you that it's it's better than it was early on in the football season. Mm-hmm. All right, it, it's weird to say. It's like they got worse in in some ways, and I know they had injuries and things got thrown off a little bit. But this is where I worry about Dallas, and you've heard me say this: if you're just a great passing team, they're good, right? Like they'd be a pain in the ass against the Buffalo Bills. We saw them. You know, be a pain in the ass. The Vikings, we just talked about them, right? They don't really want to run. They want to throw it. What they do to them? They blew them out. You know, if you're just a great running team, they can be good because they can just go, hey, we're going all in on the run. We'll stop it. We got some good corners out there, and you're you're just good at the run. Your passing game's not that complicated, right? They are a team that I worry about where they can stop you if you're elite in one area. They can't stop you. If you're just good in both areas, does that make sense? Yeah. Like they have problems with balance. That's my big thing. And that's where Tampa poses a problem for them. Tampa's much bigger than them up front. And in this game that they had to crowd the line of scrimmage, it made them susceptible to a few one-on-one shots down the field. It made them susceptible to a few reverses because they got everybody at the line of scrimmage. They're playing aggressive, right? And now the reverse gets around the edge. There's nobody there. That was definitely a part of it, right? It made them susceptible to the wide receiver screen game. Got all these people at the line of scrimmage worried about the run, right? They're all packed in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, boom, he throws a ball out to Chris Godwin, and now they, you know, a few linemen jam them all in there, and a few get out there to block on the edge, and you go, oh, there goes Chris Godwin. All they had to do is make one guy miss, and he's got some blockers, and he got 20 yards of the silence. So that's where it poses problems right. for them. Dallas, I think this time around, has to play a little bit of, like, no, you guys have sucked all year. I don't give a shit what you did against this week one. You haven't been able to run the ball. We're not going to go all in on the run game, right? Brady's going to have answers if they go too crazy blitzing. 
and or just got people on first and second down. They're going to have a few trick game plan plays, smash them all down, toss sweeps, reverses, wide receiver screen, running back screen, you know, fake this, fake that. Oh, no, Mike Evans is one-on-one downfield. He double-moved Trayvon Diggs for a 55-yard bomb, right? That's where they got to be careful. They might have to go, you know what, we'll let you run for three here because we're just not going to let up the big play a little and take their lumps that way. Uh, but that's where Tampa poses a few issues for them. All right, so the the run game could be big. It, Can it Tampa could be. do it like they did in Tampa's week one? Tampa's just so hard to figure if, like, you know, again, I don't know if they can run. And I, Dallas's defense is better now than it was in sure. week one. That's for sure. All right, so we'll do two stats and a lie about right. the run game for both these teams. We'll incorporate both the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. You ready? You're one for one today. You've only ever gotten one wrong, so this is great. Uh, you ready? Yes. You focused? Yes. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott averaged more yards after contact than Tony Pollard. Ezekiel Elliott had more rushing first downs than Tony Pollard. And Leonard Fournette was bottom three in the NFL in rushing yards before contact. So two of those are true. One is a lie. All right. I'm going to say the bottom one's true. Don't unveil him yet. Don't unveil him yet, Pete. Let me talk this out. I'm going to say the bottom one's true. Okay, I will tell you that is true. You are correct okay, on that. So okay. you're working towards the solution here. Leonard Fournette was a third from the bottom in rushing yards before a contact, so he was hit pretty immediately. Cam Akers and Kareem Hunt are in that crew as well. Bottom in the NFL, not easy for him. Man, the next ones are hard here. So Because I think Pollard is a little bit better off a of contact than people want to say. But I'm going to say the lie is that Ezekiel Elliott had more rushing first downs than Tony Pollard. So Zeke had 52 rushing first downs to Pollard's 46. Shit! You should have gone with your instinct. I should have gone with my instinct. Because Tony Pollard, among running backs, he was number one in the NFL of yards after contact per rush. Now, that can always be skewed a little I, bit uh, by yes. breaking a tackle and then Arm, running 70 tackle, yards. whatever, right, right. It can always be skewed a little bit. But he had a lot of rushes, yes. so usually that normalizes yeah. and yeah. equals out. Uh, he was ahead of guys like Khalil Herbert, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, number one in the NFL, 2.6 yards after contact. It's impressive. Rush. It's definitely a part of his game. That, you know, like I said there, I just I think it's, it's I knew it was underrated. I didn't think that was really going to be the truth. Um, Zeke's 35th. Yeah, so he's down the list quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, you know, you know where and, and Pollard. This is where I think even like his speed comes in here, even in this stat, right? Because it's, you know, flying through a hole and he gets there so quick that nobody ever gets to square him up. So you're always like reaching with an arm, sure. right? And then he can run through that. Or, you know, you're in a hole and he kind of breaks your ankles, right? And you're like kind of falling over as he's, he's faked you and then you get like a hand or two on him. And yeah, that's a broken tackle, right? That's, so that's really interesting and it's more evidence that you know, Tony Pollard should be their guy. So you've gotten two wrong Damn it. in the history, but you almost had that one right. Almost. Uh, this is about Dak. It's David Dave, yeah. 87. David Dave. I think it's the first time David Dave has ever uh, I tweeted I don't recognize you. one. What's up at David Dave 87? Out of all the quarterbacks, does Dak have the most pressure mm. to deliver a victory for his team? I think so. I do. I, I We had to do a draft this morning, me and Florio, right, on PFT. We did, like, quarter quarterbacks or head coaches under the most pressure. Mm-hmm. Dak was the guy I went with first. I think as, with Dak, you know, one, he isn't playing great right now. Right. So there's the pressure of that. He's got the contract. 
people expect big-time play because of that. He's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. They haven't made a playoff run in forever. He only has one playoff win, and he's got, what, three losses against teams where I'd go, uh, you were the quarterback of the team that was better and you lost. That's never a good look. So, yeah, I, and, and I think just the pressure of this year, the way it's looked lately for him and all that, yeah, I think this is he's the quarterback under the most pressure in, in these playoffs. All right, from what you've said here, yeah. oh. I have more faith that that week one game – it's a long time ago. Yeah. Bucks this, aren't is, gonna, this is hard. I don't know how you're going to do this. Bucks like, aren't going to run. You're usually really creative. I know. It's a, I, this is not going to be creative again. Yeah. But this is what I think actually could happen. Okay. I think the, the Dallas Cowboys go into Tampa. I think they get a win. I think they beat Brady. Right. And I think the headline in Tampa is Brady's farewell question mark. I mm. think it all starts the speculation yeah. of Brady. Like, is he gone? Is he going to retire? Is he going to go to another team? What's going to happen here? With the, and it all starts after this weekend's game. Yeah, okay. I like that. That's good. That's and so, then so. in Dallas, it's going to be Dak strikes back. Dak strikes back. Pete gave me that Dak's one. revenge. Yeah, definitely. So who, wins in a, who wins a cowboy or a buccaneer in a fight? In all honesty, who wins that one? Uh, I, ooh. Cowboy has got the gun, right? right Buccaneer but, just might have a sword. Well, yeah. Could have the, like, the one-pop gun? shooter gun, right? Ooh, I mean, it depends gun. how far back we're going into the pirate history, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how are they equipped? How are they equipped here? Yeah, exactly. Now, if he misses that shot, he's got to, like, you know, download the stuff again. It's going to be a that. problem. He's going to be dead. Yeah, he's going to be dead. <laughs> he's not going to make it. And that was Give Me the Headline presented by Hyundai. We end it with, he's going to be dead. Yeah, that, I'm sure they'll be happy with that. So we got three more games here. Not quite as much on these ones here as we've, uh, we've delved into the first three games deeply, which is what we do on this podcast, right? right? I mean, we're, we're not going to dive into anything. You no, don't dive in the shallow end. Exactly. No right. stone left unturned. So we go to our next game. This is a game that you will see on NBC. Chris will be talking before the game and in the middle of the game and then after the, after the game. Are you doing a post-game show? No, no more post-game oh, okay. show. No more. So watch them before the game. That's it. It is the Chargers in Jacksonville, in Florida. It's the 5-4 matchup. We saw this game way back in week three. A lot has changed since then. Jacksonville won that game, though, 38-10, to probably one of the more impressive games this year for Jacksonville. But if you remember, Justin Herbert was dealing with some rib ribs, deal. Right. And I don't think he was completely healthy, although no. he did play in the game. Yep. Um I don't know. Can we take anything away from that game? I think there's some things to take away. Oh, okay. You know, again, it, it's, you know, obviously they were starting to get beat up at that point of the, the year, the Chargers, where you're like, oh, man, here we go again. And the Jaguars were, this was one of the first moments of the year when we went, oh, wait. You know, I think the national media went to go, wait, the Jaguars actually have some talent, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I know I was already going, oh, watch out for the Jaguars. Watch out for the Jaguars. So I'm reading your notes from back then because yeah, you looked it? at the film. Yeah. Uh, you go when they have Evan Ingram, they have Marvin Jones, they have Christian Kirk, and they have Zay Jones on the field. Wow, pretty tough to match up with. It is. They're tough to match up. So let's go with the Jags offense versus the Chargers defense okay. first. All right, here. Yep. Here's you know, a little bit like we just talked about. Again, in totality, I think the Chargers are probably better. But it's a matchup league. And I, I do think Jaguars really match up well with the Chargers. And this is where I think it, too. The Chargers' defense is a little like the Cowboys we just talked about. If you're great, at, they're built to stop the pass in Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, right? So they're, if you're all pass, 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 they're, they're going to be a pain in the butt, like we saw them with the Miami Dolphins, right? right. They, they could stop it. Yep. They were, okay, we got great secondary. Brandon Staley's real creative. With how he does, so they're good in there. 
And even if you're a majority all-run football team, right, with the 49ers, they played the 49ers who, again, you know, I know could throw the ball, but are known for their running game, and that's what you have to stop. They kind of did a pretty good job against that on Sunday Night Football, right? Because mm-hmm. they were like, wait, wait, the passing game's not overly complicated. If we could just slow this part down, he's creative where he can come up with some answers in that. Balanced teams, that's where I'm like, they'd be better off playing a team that was elite at the run game or elite at the pass game and then not good at the other aspect, right? Yeah. Balance gives them issues. This, These are the teams that bother them because – now he can't go all in on let me haul my creative coverages and crazy blitzes and guys drop out and all this stuff to where he can't. He has to worry about, wait, their offensive line is significantly bigger than us. We ha- I have to put some people down there to stop the run. And then, of course, the Jaguars are a team that you go too all in on that department. They, we see in here now. They're better at throwing the ball now than they were then. Yeah. You know, and, and again, everybody out there, because, you know, I think people are going to go, well, they couldn't throw the ball last week against the Tennessee Titans. Again, it's a matchup league. The Tennessee Titans literally have a front four where they go, we're not helping you with the run. Nobody's going to run on you guys anyways. So they can just play pass all the time because they have this one part that kind of eliminates the one threat. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars don't have that. I mean, the Chargers, excuse me. They don't have that up front. Right. So they're going to have to put five people at the line of scrimmage. And then, therefore, it's going to be, you know, this offense is creative enough and his arm is big enough and they got enough weapons to where they can make life hard on them, play action pass or some of those run defense looks in the pass game. And that's where I worry for the Chargers a little bit. Yeah, you, you noted that in week three. You go, they played the Chargers D not to give up the big play, right. which was no problem for the Jags. Right. They were able to, to pick that apart. They picked it apart. Exactly right. It was really the first time we saw Trevor Lawrence have one a game like that. Right. And then you you praised him, I remember. Yeah, we did a social video, I think. And then, I and think then the he next played week, like crap the next week. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah, That's kind of how my Jaguars early season love affair went. <laughs> yeah. I kept telling everybody how great they were. They're going to win this week. They're going to win this week. They kept losing or messing something up. And yeah. I was going, oh, man, I guess maybe I'm wrong here. Just but, to bring yeah. you completely back to that game, let's yeah. just flash the stats Go ahead. up there. I like because it. it shows uh, that Jacksonville ran for 151 yards in that game where the Chargers just ran for 26. It was basically on the arm of Justin Herbert, on the ribs of him. Oh, it doesn't seem like a good idea, especially with him being all, all banged up. Yeah. So the time of possession, I mean, Jacksonville dominated this game, 38 minutes to 21. Yeah. What do you think is going to be different from the Chargers' side of the ball offensively in this game? Can they, they do more than score 10 points? Well, th- this is, you know, yes, they will. It won't look the same. But, again, this is, again, this is not – the greatest matchup for them. Uh-oh. Well, this is where I say this. You know, Jacksonville's bad at stopping the run, but, right? Yeah. You know what? The Chargers don't run the ball that good. Yeah. So it's like, oh, wait, they're a weakness. You can't really exploit it. And now you got to throw the ball against this group. They're a pain in the ass. Like, they can do man and zone, and they can be creative and be really tough that way. So that's where I look at it and go, no, I think the Chargers are going to have to come out of their comfort zone a little bit maybe and, and come up with some good design runs and, and maybe be a hair more patient with the run game than they would like to be and have to play a game maybe that they don't really necessarily want to play. You know, because, uh, you know, their own line being healthier, I think will give them the chance to protect and throw some shots down the field, which helps them. Yeah. But it's a pretty good pass rush by the Jaguars. And like I said, their secondary's got a little bit of it all. They got a, a guy in Tyson Campbell, a corner, who, who can shut down receivers. He's one of the best man-to-man corners in football. 
let alone they do some cool creative stuff too. So, yeah, this is going to be – I think this will be a very close football game. I, I know I think a lot, I hear a lot of people thinking that the Chargers are going to win this. And, yeah. you know, I understand the Chargers in totality I think are more dangerous to make a run through the AFC playoffs. But this game for me – as I evaluated it, you know, yesterday and, and stuff, I go, ooh, this is very much 50-50. Don't. Jacksonville matches up very well with the with the Los Angeles Chargers. You have one more chance to be wrong about the Jacksonville yes. Jaguars this season. Lockdown cornerback, it's almost like he got in your head here. He said to you, in a matchup league, something is telling me the Bucks and Jags match up with the teams they play despite being underdogs. Do you agree? I agree with that at lockdown cornerback. Again, that, he's right. A preview it, of the pod to lockdown corner. Man, I like, like that. that. I mean, but he's, well, he sees it. He knows. It's, it's, it is. It's, and these, there's some things about those two matchups where you go, wait, you know, the the strength of this team is this team's weakness. And, you know, the weakness of this team's is also this team's weakness, so they can't exploit it. And that's when you start to go, uh-oh, it could be a little closer than people think. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Bills are favored over the Miami Dolphins. It's the 2-7 matchup. And that line has probably increased a little bit because we did learn that there will be no Tua in this game for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he has been ruled out. They are preparing for Skylar Thompson, so no Teddy mm. Bridgewater mm. either yeah. for the Dolphins. The line has moved, as Pete has put in here, immediately the line has moved from Buffalo favored by 9.5 to Buffalo favored by 13, so almost two touchdowns. R11 asks the million-dollar question for the Miami Dolphins, who lost twice to the Bills. Uh, he says, why does this Dolphins offense which you've said has players running wide open all over the field in every play, not work at all whenever Tua is injured. Right. Because well, uh, Tua's an elite quarterback. <laughs> the, the, um, the RPO game, I think, is the biggest thing, right? And, you know, around he got kind of hurt the week after, I think teams kind of figured out how to stop the RPO game, right? It's the, to me the number one thing. You ask anybody here at NBC the last few weeks, I've been going, it's just like, I don't know, you know, the RPO, they can't even get it going anymore. So you think even if Tua was there, they would have a harder time we, running the RPO? We've seen it. Yeah, did you, you, the Packers game, they were all over it. It was the RPOs didn't really work. 
The Chargers game. How would that work? The two was playing that week, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I, you know, I know Ari that what you're saying there. I mean, they went to Buffalo week 15, scored 29, right. and, and then I went snow. back and watched it. it. It wasn't the RPO game. That's that's one thing. But yeah, he made some great plays. They did. They hit some play action passes. Uh, I think, you know, we showed one of the plays on social where the Bills messed up a coverage one time, right, on the long waddle touchdown. Yeah. So what do you think teams started doing then? I think that Brandon Staley showed a few little things in his game plan and, and, and went, wait, first off, they're not that patient with the run, so let's not always buy into the run fake and all of that. Mm-hmm. And two, I think they finally, a team showed a blueprint a little bit of like, Hey, wait, if you play these type of coverages to the side of the receivers where they can run the RPOs, you know, you can cheat a little bit on the backside. They're not looking to throw anything to that guy. And they like 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 the what was it, the first interception of the the Packers game, right? The one Jair Alexander had, right? I mean, just think about how many people were over there at the receiver side. They had like five people. He's trying to throw to two receivers who were running slant routes, right? They were so ready for it, and they made their alignment up front to go, wait, we're ready to stop the strong side run. And then on the weak side, we got all these people in the pass game, so you can't RPO us that way. So that's what started it a little bit. Yeah. And then I don't think they trust Skylar Thompson yet, you know, to read it. You know, again, that's who was gifted as far as we've always said this. His ability to get the ball out of his hand quickly and be accurate, I mean, that, that's his wheelhouse. You know, but I, I don't think it's necessarily totally related to just Tua being injured here. It was going the wrong way with Tua, right. and then him not being in there, I think, totally chopped out the leg. As I went back and started to look at these things, I started to go, oh, well, here's RPO. We pulled it because it was the look to pull it. But it's kind of a bastard look, and your RP, your pass option's really not open. Oh, now it's second and ten, or it's, or I had to hold the ball and I didn't know what to do, and now I can't throw it away because we're blocking downfield, right? And now I've taken a sack. I think they got started to get a lot of negative plays in their RPO game, mm. and I, because because again, I think teams caught on to it a little bit, and that caught and that caused the issues. I said earlier that the the Bills won twice. Actually, they did not. They split the season series. Yes. It was a Week three, when I believe it was Miami week winning. Two, week yeah, two, week three. three. Yeah, that's right. Twenty-one nineteen was the final score there. Although in a game that you noted, uh, the Bills made some mistakes. They dropped yeah. the pick six. Right. Milano in that game. Yep. Uh, but there still are. I mean, there are concerns here for for Buffalo. Maybe yep. not as much with this game and Skylar Thompson. But as we move through the playoffs, and Hoop Stuff asks you this: I know there's a specific energy about the Bills right now, but how much of a concern is that secondary? Hamlin was already the backup safety. Now they're on the third string. Trey White still not himself from the ACL. And the other concerns are two rookies and Dane Jackson, who has struggled. So as we go through the playoffs here, what do you think about that Bills secondary and pass defense? Yeah, I mean, I I worry about it. I don't think... You know, I, I think the Bills, I think Josh Allen and McDermott and Leslie Frazier cover a lot of holes in their team. Hmm. I do. I mean, you, you just – what was the stat we just used with Josh Allen, right? Yeah. Well, what was the uh, – I got to go back up and look. I'm already forgetting him. Yards so after be, catch per right. completion. And again, there. And then he's their leading rusher. And, and, you know, so all those things are concerning. Okay. You know, and then, you know, as far as the defense is concerned – they're another team that oddly that's that's the word of the day. They're not they're not good with balance. Now they might not have to play that in the AFC a whole lot. And we'll see. Can the Bills stay patient? I mean, can the Dolphins stay patient with the run game? I mean, that's the big thing too. 
Uh, they ran the ball on the Bills a few weeks ago, but they decided they then they got obsessed with drop back pass, play action pass, and all that. And I still think they can make this game ugly if they stay patient with it. Can he find up a few trick ways to throw some screens and and their defense? As we've seen that they made life hard on Josh Allen. I mean, those were just great plays by Josh Allen that won the game the the second time around. We didn't sit here necessarily and go, it was an awesome game to watch. But remember the last drive and everything. It wasn't like, oh, wow, this is surgical, and they're just picking them apart. It was right. like, unbelievable throw down the left sideline. You know, oh, my gosh, he avoided traffic and threw an out route. Unbelievable throw. It was just like individual miraculous efforts there. So, yeah, I do worry about Buffalo that way. But they do have a belief. They know how they play. Their formula in which they play is very hard, according to the players that they got in the football field. And they can do McDermott and Frazier on the defense – along with Dorsey and Josh Allen, they can do game plan-specific stuff to where you can get in the game and go, wait, they didn't do this. I haven't seen this in five weeks. What the hell? And that's where they can be dangerous. But I am worried about that at hoop stuff. Well, probably won't be talking about it as much with Skylar Thompson, although who knows? You mentioned a couple of ways that Miami could exploit that, but we will be talking about it again if they're playing the Chiefs or if they're playing your guy Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, the last game on Super Wild Card Weekend as as equipment's being moved all around here in Central Gotta Park. Got to fight we're, through the crowd noise. We're, we're in the middle of a work zone right here, and you can see uh, some plywood coming through right now if you're watching on Peacock or YouTube. It's a, it's an exciting time to we be in the building the once again. here on Chris Sims on Button. <laughs> yeah, laying some lumber. That's what we do. Did they hear that? Did they, make, did they react or no? They, they smile, but they didn't even look back They've at us. They've blocked us yes, out right. at this point. Hopefully you have not, because we have one more game to talk about. It is Bengals. It is Ravens, a rematch of a game we just saw yeah. in Week 18. You'll see it again on NBC. Played twice, played on Sunday Night Football earlier in this year, Week 5. It was a good game at the end where Joe Burrow uh, came back, got Cincinnati in the end zone, but then uh, a long Tucker field goal won it for the the Ravens. Uh, obviously, Lamar not in this game. Is that official yet? Have they officially said that? Or there's It's not nothing? looking good. Yeah. And just from what I no know. No one knows where he is. They go, John, is he going to play? We're like, we don't think so. We can't find him right now. <laughs> we, it, it, I haven't talked to him in months. It's crazy. I don't think they know what the hell's going on either, honestly. I don't. You know, it's just the sense I get. And, yeah, I mean. Like, what do you mean don't know what's going on? I, I just think it's, you know, the future prospects of the contract stuff, where that's going. You know, I think the knee has been like, hey, we're hopeful. Like, he's probably at the facility. Like, his the no, he's professionals there. there oh, definitely. He's there. He's doing what he's got to do. Yeah. He's, he do all that. But it's also, I meant, like, you know. Again, is he 90% without a contract? Is he going to play? Yeah. I don't know. That adds to, like, I don't know what he's going to do either. Yeah, he is kind of Superman-ish to where it's like, oh, yeah, your knee's swollen, but you can probably still run 4-4. Four, four. He might play. I don't know. I'm sure that's gone through the Ravens, whatever. But, yeah, like I, I think I told you a few weeks ago, I just I knew from some people there that it wasn't that long ago that his knee was, like, still significantly swollen. And ah, I was told at that time, like, the first playoff game is still very dicey. I don't expect to see him this week. All right, so I guess maybe one positive aspect of the game, the loss to the Bengals last week, is that second half, Bengals didn't do much. And no, you said didn't. on the pod Monday, you're like, okay, I want to figure out exactly what happened there. Did they take yeah. the foot off the gas? Yeah. Was there anything the Ravens did? Were both teams kind of being coy because they knew they were going to face each other the next week? So you did. What did what, you see? Yeah, I think um, it's – uh, they they played the they played a conservative game a little bit. I think one they know that their defense can slow down Baltimore, right? And and I think they match up very good with Baltimore that way. 
I, I don't expect life to be very easy on the Ravens offense. You know, I, I don't think this, you know, again, I don't think the Ravens can can dominate this group in the run game, which is going to make everything else harder. Uh, I'd be surprised if that happened. You know, early on, he, he was conservative. They played the field bo- field position game. You know, again, this is where I think you know, you, I always use that phrase, ball control, passing offense. Yeah. I think they're very smart in seeing the big picture of the game. They're they're unlike maybe the other teams we're talking about in the AFC with Kansas City and Buffalo, where they just want to go, 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 go. Kansas, I mean, Cincinnati's willing to go, we'll play ugly and win 2013. We're, we don't care. We don't care how sexy we look. We're just going to win the game, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they have a little bit of that, and I think he's very good at seeing the big picture of the game too. So there's a few plays early on where I go, damn, throw that. You got him. You know, but I think he's going, nah, it's Anthony Brown and the Ravens over there. I'm not going to even take the chance to let, you know, Marlon Humphrey barely get a finger on it and tip it in the air and interception, right? Remember they had a game like that early in the year? It might have been week one. It was one. week one. It was the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh Steelers, right. yeah. Where it was he just made a like... number of plays, but he was ultra aggressive, yeah. and they lost the game they shouldn't have lost, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, they, I think he had, he had five interceptions. And they still were on the one-yard line to win the game at the end, right? right it was like bad yeah. snap or yeah, backup right. snapper. Right. That crazy. sent it to overtime. Yeah. We thought the game was over. <laughs> yeah. They were going to win in regulation. Um, but, you know, I think all in all here, the biggest concern is Adenajay, a right tackle. Uh, the Yeah, so in your notes there, I mean, because you've been complimenting how they have been progressing at protecting Joe Burrow. And he does a good job of being able to be slippery and move around in the pocket, and so that makes it even easier for them. But you noted a couple concerns. Hakeem was one of them, right? Definitely. I mean, the right tackle is an issue. I mean, that stinks that they lost Lyle Collins over there. And then they lose Alex Kappa. And I don't know what the status is right now of him, but, I mean, he's – He's their killer in the middle. He's the guy we talked about. He's one of the few guards in all of football that just went, I can take Chris Jones by myself. Yeah. I'm not, oh, he's not going to overpower me. So that hurt them too, to where like Baltimore's pass rush was a little bit more influential in the game than I thought it would be. They're just the front four, not the blitzes and all that. So that that's something to watch out for, okay? Um, but I'll, I'll say this too. I think that, you know, they took the gas, their foot off the gas pedal, up 24 to 7. Yeah, because right? I think we have the numbers. It's just three first downs in the second half, 12 in the first half. Yes, right. They, they, they went in totally conservative mode, didn't take a chance. It's hard to gauge, too. I want to go, I, it seems like they even got simple for them a little bit, just to go, hey, let's not show them anymore or anything. Where, where, where I look at it and just think that it could be a positive for the Bengals, though, is – you know you got to. It's risky to play man to man, right? So, Baltimore they want to blitz and cause some issues every now and then, but that's scary against this group. And he's smart and usually knows where to go with the ball and gets protection the right way and all of that. Uh, Baltimore wants to play zone. He's great at zone. You know he can pick you apart like we talked about. And I also with them too. When you're this is where like being simple can play into your favor this time of the year if you mm-hmm. can get to this time of the year. Yeah. Because you start to see, hey, oh, teams want to he they're gonna defend us like this every time we get in this formation. And they're gonna start to realize, well, because we run this a lot and this a lot and this a lot and this a lot. Well, it's time to run this with that with it. Yeah. The curveball, right? And that's where sometimes you see these simple offenses kind of make a run in the playoffs because it's like, no, we have a thousand plays of them doing this one thing. And then you go, well, yeah, they scout themselves, yeah. too, and they realize it. So here comes the fuck you play of the week, right? If you can pivot at the right time. And I think that just there was a few plays and coverages where I just went, ooh, 
they're going to see this and see this area is voided. This is going to be an issue. And I, I could see them taking advantage of some things that, that way this week and being a little bit more aggressive. Um, but at the same time, it's a fine line. You're better than the Ravens. Mm-hmm. They don't have Lamar Jackson. And you don't want to be so crazy aggressive that you're sitting there going, wait, we've outplayed them, but I tip interception. I threw a ball into a tight window, and Jamar Chase got crushed, and the ball popped up, and he fumbled their intercept, and all of a sudden we're losing by three late in the fourth quarter. So that's where they got to find the line, fine line. But I certainly think the Bengals have the advantage. Lamar reports that he is facing a, quote, uphill battle yeah. to play this week. Yeah. See? There you go. If that yeah. was Aaron Rodgers, I'd be like, he's playing. Because he wants to set the narrative, right? <laughs> right he's like, right. oh, how right. oh, is he even playing out yeah. there? But you're right. I think that contract stuff, I, I mean. I think it plays into it. I think it does, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I understand that. It is a business. That's the way it is. Don't be bad at Lamar Jackson. This is the way the owner set it up, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. They they could not come to an agreement here, and it's going to be interesting, this whole thing with the Ravens and Lamar going into the offseason and all that. I don't know where this is going to go. I got a question for you. Yeah. Who is going to have the most passing yards in wild card weekend? Bet MGM gives us the, uh, gives us the passing props here. The over-unders, so they have the highest over-under, 281 yards, Justin Herbert. They think he will have the most passing yards. At least that is what the betting line is set at. Joe Burrow's next, and then you got Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins. At the bottom of the list, Brock Purdy and Geno Smith. A wow. low passing offense game in San Francisco, they're calling. Yeah, this is... Uh, Josh Allen, middle of the pack, 250. There's some interesting ones here. I mean, it, it definitely... This is this one, to me, is it's tough to call, really. Uh, kind of. You know, I mean... I'm seeing all these numbers, and it's not making sense in my head. I'm well, like, yeah, where, where are you leaning with this one here? Like, what are, what are we trying to do here to see... Like, who's going to have the most? Let's just do that. Cut and dry. Who would you bet on having the most passing yards? I understand the Justin Herbert thing. Because they don't run the ball. They don't run the ball. I don't think they're going to try to run the ball a whole lot. I think this is where they're going to live, so I get that. Uh, I do, but, mm, man, ap- after there, Yeah, it could gosh. be garbage time, as Pete's noting here. Maybe some games that get out of hand, you got to throw, get back in the game. Could be the Bucks if Dallas can hit some big plays. I, I, I feel like, wow, I think after that, that I would probably go, I think I'd go with Josh Allen. I would. I don't know. I don't have necessarily a reason for that. I just feel like he's kind of hot. Miami plays too aggressive on that side of the ball. And they changed a few things up the last time they played him to where I think now it's like, I, I don't know if they got another change up for him that can confuse him there. Yeah. I just don't have, you know, the Burrow thing. I'm just I'm not sure about it. He could go off, but it could be like we saw last week, where it's like they kind of control the game, and he can just be conservative. Right. He doesn't need to push the the boundaries at all. They're up 23 in the third quarter, and they're and just, just kind of running the ball. Uh, that's, and... that's where I I do worry about that. I I see Brady having a big day if the Cowboys are stupid and go all in on pressuring. We're putting people on the line of scrimmage, like I was saying in our little breakdown, to where that could lead to some whoa. Here's Mike Evans and Godwin one on one. And Brady throws, you know, the beautiful deep ball he's been on fire with lately here. Right. Uh, I, I can understand that logic, too. Give me. Who are you going to go ooh, with? No. Trevor Lawrence had 260 last time they played. I know. I could see them running more, too. So that's, that's where true. it's tough. It's, there's a lot of different things. You know, of course, you know, Daniel Jones, I could see them 
sneaky having a good <laughs> passing day, right? Yeah. But I hope they don't. I, they need to run the ball more. If you're using this pod for actionable advice on this bet, this is a luck. tough one. My, my thing here is we, this, we've given you some advice on some other ones. This one's a tough one, and yeah. I don't feel necessarily comfortable with any or can give you a lean. I gave you yeah. my lean. Yeah, I, I understand the Herbert thing. Brady and Josh Allen to be the ones after that. So with all that concrete information, right. rush out now because the action never stops. At BetMGN, you can sign up now using the code bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. So say you bet $100 on Patrick Mahomes to be the Super Bowl MVP. BetMGM just released those odds yesterday. Ooh, okay. If you win, you get $400. But if you lose, you still get $100 worth of free bets. I would think it would pay more than that right now. We don't even know that they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Do you get your money back if they don't make the Super Bowl? Or? Nope, no, you don't. Nope. I, I would feel like it. Yeah. BetMGM. Increase those odds. <laughs> my command. Simply <laughs> download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's check in with the homies. Check it in. What How up, they homies? do? We have we have more answers to who is in the we have all the answers now to who's in the playoffs, but we have all the answers as well to how many of you out there picked correctly. So, AFC North was decided. The Bengals won the division. Just thirty seven percent of the people. I guess yeah. the the Ravens were the favorite. Yeah, sixty percent, including you, picked yeah. them to win the division. I did. I was among those that picked the Bengals to to win the division. Let so congratulations come. to me. I did well in the AFC. Congrats, congrats. NFC I did not do well. Three uh, percent picked the Steelers. Eleven mm. percent had them in the playoffs. Mm. Almost, almost. That's you, right. You never count out Mike Tomlin. Yep. AFC South winner, 3% of you out there listened to Chris on day one of the preseason and picked the Jaguars. I didn't even listen to Chris, so good job <laughs> listening to me. I didn't listen to Chris. Yeah. Well, that's not rare, no. Uh, 29% picked the Titans. Yep. Including you. 46% had them in the playoffs. So who else? Who, I guess I had the, the Colts. Colts. Yeah. Right. Damn, lot the Colts, Colts really dominated this one. Well, you know, the Matt Ryan thing was a... A curveball for I mean, all they were of close. Us. There was a game away, and a Carson Wentz bad game away. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand the thought. Mm. I do. Dolphins, 31% of the homies had them in the playoffs, including you and me. Yeah, so, way to go. I'm mm. like you. I did good in the AFC, too. The NFC is not my best. Patriots, 11% of you had them in the playoffs. So that was lower than I would have thought. Yeah. They were a playoff team last year. Right. You maybe believe in Bill Belichick. Mac yeah. Jones get a little bit better, but uh, only 11% of you had the, the Patriots going in. NFC side of it. 83% picked the Eagles. 94% had them in the playoffs. Congratulations. 14% picked the Cowboys to win the division, and just half had them in the playoffs. Right. I did not have the Cowboys in the playoffs. I had the Cowboys in the playoffs. Did you? I did. I think I had them as like the seven seed, honestly, if I remember correctly. 
This is the rarest of rare. The Seahawks, just five homies picked them to the playoffs. That's amazing. That they deserve they deserve an award. Out of eight hundred and sixteen. They deserve one of those Chris Sims unbutton t shirts that you've showed nobody. Oh yeah, are those are we getting those in, in development right now? Yeah, right, Pe- I'm sure. Yeah, they're people off, off they're, se- it's they're more of an off season project. Being printed out, right. Yeah. Yes. It's it's right. when uh, my wife Kathleen can uh, get around to it and <laughs> get the t shirts in stock. Uh we do want to give special shout outs to five other homies. Because no one predicted all eight division winners, but yeah. seven of you out there predicted, or no, five of you predicted the seven of uh, seven of the, the eight, eight division, division winners. winners. Congratulations. You can clip this off and share it with your friends. They go, does that guy know how to talk? Uh, what podcast are you listening to? Uh, Adam Morgan. Ooh, Adam Morgan. Yeah. Brett Walker, David Grunmeyer, Emma Zupko, and Tyler Senko. Correctly predicted go, seven guys. of the eight division winners. I'm going to clap it up. Yeah, clap it clap up. Clap it up way for those go. five homies. Way to go. Adam, Brett, David, Emma, Tyler. Way to go. Derek Jasper nailed all seven AFC playoff teams. Bam. Congratulations, uh, Derek. Jasper, did I say David or Derek? No, I think you said Derek. You were good. I'm losing it Kids, here. Kid can't read. David Mazzini correctly predicted the two most unlikely wild cards, the Giants and Seahawks. Wow. That's so impressive. Going off the board, probably... Missed on all the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm just going crazy. But he can live with that one. I'll get my name read. I'll get two of these right. Uh, and 214 homies, 26%, have their final four teams still alive, including you, Chris. That's right. You could have the championship games correct. That's right. I, I believe I, I, I think I kind of went chalk. I'm pretty sure I went Chiefs-Bills and then Niners-Eagles. Yeah. And I picked Niners Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's looking great with the Chiefs beating them. They're probably the favorites, right? I mean, they're the one-two seeds. I, I would think so. I, you know, it's, it's got to be close. I, I think I actually saw something too that that is the those, those are, are the top, top four. yeah those are the top four teams, right? Just four percent of you out there had my Lions in the playoffs, including Pete. Pete had faith in my Detroit Lions more than I did. Wow. Uh, which was unfounded. They were not a playoff team, Pete, yep. so very wrong. Very wrong. Yeah, they were very bad. Uh, the Packers, 96% of all of us. This had to be the biggest miss. Definitely. Right? Had them in the playoffs. I had them in the final eight, I'm all sure. All wrong. Well, I had them in the Super Bowl. Oh, I had them st- in the stink. Super Bowl. 6% of you out there, I'm sorry, had the Packers winning the Super Bowl. I am sad to report that will not be happening. We will post... I'm actually happy to report. Um, yeah. Pete's, Pete's right. I'm actually happy to report that. Uh, we will post all these stats on Twitter later today. One more thing to do. One more thing again by this guy. Columbo it up. Columbo. Uh-oh. Requiem for a team so time. Requiem, so we have, what, one, two, three, four, five teams that will not be playing in the postseason. Wow. And we learned that in the final week. Did you week. write these yourselves or uh, did you cheat and plagiarize? I did not I did not plagiarize. I okay. did not use uh, AI chat bot uh, or anything yeah, right. or any of the homies out there, although the homies uh you can continue to submit because we will do this throughout the playoffs. Yeah. When teams are eliminated. We just we send them off in requiem style. So we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kristen, do we have the uh the music here? Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a team that could not fill a stat sheet. Their offense and defense rendered obsolete. But I'm so thankful that we did not make a bet. Praise Jesus, you do not have to kiss my feet. Yes. Thank oh, God. my God. Thank Way God. Go. Thank go. God. Oh. Way to go. Oh, sigh of relief. Damn. All right. Time for the Green Bay Packers. Well, I'm happy to say they're not in the playoffs. It's a team that was not as dangerous through the air. With Aaron Rodgers, that is quite rare. Now, I would not be surprised if the man who's immunized was advised to take his ayahuasca 
elsewhere. <laughs> Let's get out of here. That yeah. might be your best one get ever. Out of here. That was awesome. <laughs> Immunized and ayahuasca in the same Working one. That was both brilliant. In there. Brilliant. Both Way in to there. go. Uh, maybe it is the Jordan Love era, though. You never know, right? Maybe it's starting now. Uh, New England Patriots. Wow. Patriots not in the playoffs. How about that? A season filled with countless frustration for a head coach with a military fixation. They need a stronger militia. Maybe the answer is Matt Patricia. Next year taking over football inflation. They do. <laughs> that is important over there, I feel like. How, how inflated are the footballs? <laughs> right, it's right. a big job Good. over there. That's right. Ahmed said that. You go, go after him, everybody. It would not be a demotion for him. That's an important <laughs> job. Uh, my Detroit Lions, sadly. Great news. The season was not the status quo, even though missing the playoffs is a blow. They made a great run, but what was most fun was being so much better than Chicago. I mean, so much better. I mean, not even close. Rubbing it in. Not even Rubbing close. Rubbing it in. Not There's, a lot of negative in that one, okay? No. A lot of positive there. No, they missed the playoffs, so yeah. that's negative. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot better than the Bears. Yep. Bears fans at home being like, we already went through our requiem. Come on. <laughs> All right, one more. The Tennessee Titans. Ooh. How surprising is this? I'm shocked, yeah. One seed last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who said they weren't the one seed last year now go, see? See what I mean? <laughs> see what happened next year? The season just didn't feel right. They never really put up a fight. But we all feared it started to get weird when Vrabel cricked his neck on draft night. Ah, that was go. it. That You're was right. it. That's when it got weird. That's when it got the weird. The old crick in the neck. That was he it. still it's got like, a crick in the neck. It's He's over. Still He's still doing, doing AJ that. Brown. AJ yeah. Brown. <laughs> He's thinking, do we have, do we have any receivers over here? Oh, my gosh. That's uh, good. So that's it. And we will continue it through the playoffs. Yeah. As these teams are eliminated, three teams will be eliminated this weekend. Yes, they will. Wild card six. 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 It's super wild card weekend. <laughs> How many? Uh, we, I, Pete, go through this. Po- hey, go, go uh, through we, this. We, we, were, we were really a great <laughs> podcast for three and a half quarters. I but you just you I just shit down your leg yeah. down the stretch. Jeez. I don't know what's going on. It's uh, unbelievable. And even when I didn't mess up, I was like, all right, did I get that right? And you're like, oh, yeah, you did get Damn. that Damn. Right. I mean, holy and cow. You threw like three interceptions in the fourth quarter. Oh, it was true, it. though. We will say goodbye to three teams. We and will. Then three and other and teams. then three other ones. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> well, it should be good. Actually... What I can't wait for is later today, I am going to hang out with Trevor Lawrence tomorrow. For oh, a my gosh. Bit. That's right. For our football night I in America. I forgot to bring that up. Pre-game on, on, uh, su- on Saturday night, Chiefs Chargers. No, Chiefs Chargers. Look at you. See? You're getting on me now. <laughs> well, Jaguars no, don't blame Chargers. This, on me. Yeah, this is both of us. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's uh, creeping into my mouth here. But, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with him. I've never gotten an interview him before. I'm excited for that. Does he know that you put Zach Wilson ahead of him in uh, the uh, draft evaluation? I, I don't know if he does. I think he's a guy that. Seemed to be aware of me when I met him at the Hall of Fame this year and talked about him. Okay. Um, and I think, and I think he's also probably a guy that's like, he's like, I, he's strong enough mentally to overcome my quarterback <laughs> ranking, so he'll be okay. <laughs> Will it come up when you uh, talk to him? I don't, of course, you know me. I don't ever not like bring something like that up and yeah. just I, I I I it is what it is. I thought Zach Wilson was better at that time. Right yeah. now, I am definitely wrong. That's for sure. Trevor Lawrence is kicking butt, and it's, it's, it's actually crazy, right? My evaluation, what was the reason I had Zach Wilson in front of Trevor Lawrence? Because I was going, Zach's just more consistent throwing the ball, oh, yeah. right? And it's like it's a role reversal. Now Zach Wilson throws the ball a different way every time, yeah. and Trevor Lawrence has become a machine. Yeah, but people are going to forget that, I mean, that rookie year for Trevor was a, a struggle. And it was a struggle. Obviously, Urban yeah. Meyer there, and there are other reasons. Right. But some of the things that you saw yeah. manifested themselves manifest. in the first he year. Corrected. Credit to him, totally. He exactly has corrected right. it. Upward trajectory. That's right. That's why when I saw him in that pregame warm-up, I went, 
went, oh, my gosh, that was phenomenal. I was like, you fixed some things in your mechanics. And that was he was like, hey, thanks for noticing. Hmm. I did. I've been working on it. So it, it obviously wow. was a part of part of his off-season preparation there. But, you do uh, a great job excited. with those interviews. Yeah, I can't thanks, wait man. to hear it. Thanks. So. Everybody uh, stay tuned. The uh, Florio PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned Picks podcast will not happen until Friday morning. So that won't be out on the usual Thursday afternoon schedule because of my interview with Trevor Lawrence. But everybody get ready for the weekend. It's super wild card oh, weekend. Here we one go. of my favorite ones of the year, baby. We got two games, three games, and one game. And then it becomes my actual favorite weekend of the year, divisional weekend. Nothing beats divisional weekend to me. That's always the eight best teams in the NFL playing each other. This is the best time of the year. It's like Christmas after Christmas or a holiday after a holiday. Yeah. Right? Um, so everybody enjoy it. Cherish good, all the games. Safe. We're, we're running Cherish out of games. All the games. We're running out of games. That's Cherish right. them all. Cherish them all. It's coming to an end. I'll have to be sad when the Super Bowl's oh. over. I don't ever like that. Yeah. All right, everybody. Be good. Be safe. Ahmed, thanks for driving the ship. You the man. Morgan, you the lady. Peace out. Cop it up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.